0: Book One, Chapter Three of A Hero of Our Time by Mikhail Yurievich Lermontov, translated by Mar Murray and J. H. Wisdom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Well, then I'll tell you," said Maxim Maximitch, About six versts from the fortress, there lived a certain friendly prince. His son, a brat of about fifteen, was accustomed to ride over to visit us. Not a day passed, but he would come, now for one thing and now for another, and indeed Grigory Alexandrovitch and I spoiled him. What a daredevil the boy was! Up to anything, picking up a cap at full gallop, or bringing things down with his gun. He had one bad quality—he was terribly greedy for money. Once for the fun of the thing, Grigory Alexandrovitch promised to give him a ducat if he would steal the best he-goat from his father's herd for him. And what do you think? The very next night he came lugging it in by the horns. At times we used to take it into our heads to tease him, and then his eyes would become bloodshot, and his hand would fly to his dagger immediately. "'You'll be losing your life if you're not careful, Azamat,' I would say to him. "'That hot head of yours will get you into trouble.' On one occasion the old prince himself came to invite us to the wedding of his eldest daughter, and as we were guest friends with him it was impossible to decline, Tatar though he was. We set off. In the village we were met by a number of dogs, all barking loudly. The women, when they saw us coming, hid themselves, but those whose faces we were able to get a view of were far from being beauties. "'I had a much better opinion of the Circassian women,' remarked Grigory Alexandrovitch. "'Wait a bit,' I answered with a smile. I had my own views on the subject. A number of people had already gathered at the prince's hut. It is the custom of the Asiatics, you know, to invite all and sundry to a wedding. We were received with every mark of honour, and conducted to the guest-chamber.' all the same i did not forget quietly to mark where our horses were put in case anything unforeseen should happen how are weddings celebrated amongst them i asked the staff-captain oh in the usual way first of all the mullah reads them something out of the koran then gifts are bestowed upon the young couple and all their relations the next thing is eating and drinking a bouza, then the dance on horseback, and then there is always some ragamuffin bedaubed with grease bestriding a wretched lame jade, and grimacing, buffooning, and making the worshipful company laugh. Finally, when darkness falls, they proceed to hold what we should call a ball in the guest-chamber. A poor old greybeard strums on a three-stringed instrument—I forget what they call it—but anyhow, it is something in the nature of our balalaika, the girls and young children set themselves in two ranks, one opposite the other, and clap their hands and sing. Then a girl and a man come out into the centre, and begin to chant verses to each other, whatever comes into their heads, and the rest join in as a chorus. Kichoran and I sat in the place of honour. All at once up came our host's youngest daughter, a girl of about sixteen, and chanted to Kichoran—how shall I put it?— "'something in the nature of a compliment. "'What was it she sang? Do you remember?' "'It went something like this, I fancy. "'Handsome, they say, are our young horsemen, "'and the tunics they wear are garnished with silver, "'but handsomer still is the young Russian officer, "'and the lace on his tunic is wrought of gold. "'Like a poplar among them he stands, "'but in gardens of ours such trees will not grow nor bloom.' Pechorin rose, bowed to her, put his hand on his forehead and heart, and asked me to answer her. I know their language well, and I translated his reply. When she had left us, I whispered to Grigory Alexandrovitch,—'Well, now, what do you think of her?' "'Charming,' he replied. What is her name?' "'Her name is Bella,' I answered. And a beautiful girl she was indeed. Her figure was tall and slender, her eyes black as those of a mountain chamois and they fairly looked into your soul pechorin deep in thought kept his gaze fixed upon her and she for her part stole glances at him often enough from under her lashes pechorin however was not the only one who was admiring the pretty princess another pair of eyes fixed and fiery were gazing at her from the corner of the room I took a good look at their owner and recognized my old acquaintance Kazbich, who, you must know, was neither exactly friendly nor yet the other thing. He was an object of much suspicion, although he had never actually been caught at any knavery. He used to bring rams to our fortress and sell them cheaply. Only he would never haggle. Whatever he demanded at first you had to give. He would have his throat cut rather than come down in price. He had the reputation of being fond of roaming on the far side of the Kuban with the Abrex. And, to tell the truth, he had a regular thieves' visage. A little wizened, broad-shouldered fellow he was. But smart, I can tell you, smart as the very devil. His tunic was always worn out and patched, but his weapons were mounted in silver. His horse was renowned throughout Kabardia. Indeed, a better one would be impossible to imagine. Not without good reason did all the other horsemen envy Kazbich, and on more than one occasion they had attempted to steal the horse, but they had never succeeded. I seemed to see the animal before me now, black as coal, with legs like bowstrings and eyes as fine as bellas. How strong he was too! He would gallop as much as fifty versts at a stretch and he was well trained beside. He would trot behind his master like a dog, and actually knew his voice. Kazbich never used to tether him, either. Just the very horse for a robber. On that evening Kazbich was more sullen than ever, and I noticed that he was wearing a coat of mail under his tunic. He hasn't got that coat of mail on for nothing, I thought. He has some plot in his head, I'll be bound. It grew oppressively hot in the hut and I went out into the air to cool myself. Night had fallen upon the mountains, and a mist was beginning to creep along the gorges. It occurred to me to pop in under the shed where our horses were standing, to see whether they had their fodder, and, besides, it's never any harm to take precautions. My horse was a splendid one, too, and more than one Carbadian had already cast fond glances at it, repeating at the same time, "'Yaski i stole along the fence suddenly i heard voices one of them i immediately recognized it was that of the young pickle azamat our host's son the other person spoke less and in a quieter tone what are they discussing there i wondered surely it can't be my horse i squatted down by the fence and proceeded to play the eavesdropper trying not to let slip a single word at times the noise of songs and the buzz of voices escaping from the hut drowned the conversation which I was finding interesting. "'That's a splendid horse of yours,' Azamat was saying. "'If I were a master of a house of my own and had a stud of three hundred mares, I would give half of it for your galloper, Kazbich.' "'Aha! Kazbich,' I said to myself, and I called to mind the coat of mail.' Yes, replied Kasbich, after an interval of silence, there is not such another to be found in all Kabardia. Once, it was, on the other side of the Terek, I had ridden with the abreks to seize the Russian herds. We had no luck, so we scattered in different directions. Four Cossacks dashed after me. I could actually hear the cries of the Gowars behind me, and in front of me there was a dense forest. I crouched down in the saddle, committed myself to Allah, and for the first time in my life insulted my horse with the blow of the whip. Like a bird he plunged among the branches, the sharp thorns tore my clothing, the dead boughs of the cork elms struck against my face, my horse leaped over tree trunks and burst his way through the bushes with his chest. It would have been better for me to have abandoned him at the outskirts of the forest and concealed myself in it afoot, but it was a pity to part with him, and the Prophet rewarded me a few bullets whistled over my head, I could now hear the Cossacks, who had dismounted running upon my tracks. Suddenly a deep gully appeared before me. My galloper took thought and leaped. His hind hoofs slipped back off the opposite bank, and he remained hanging by his forefeet. I dropped the bridle and threw myself into the hollow, thereby saving my horse, which jumped out. The Cossacks saw the whole scene. Only not one of them got down to search for me, thinking, probably, that I had mortally injured myself. And I heard them rushing to catch my horse. My heart bled within me. I crept along the hollow, through the thick grass. Then I looked around, and it was the end of the forest. A few Cossacks were riding out from it, on to the clearing. And there was my Karagyoz, galloping straight towards them. With a shout they all dashed forward, for a long, long time they pursued him, and one of them, in particular, was once or twice almost successful in throwing a lasso over his neck. I trembled, dropped my eyes, and began to pray. After a few moments I looked up again, and there was my caragios flying along, his tail waving free as the wind, and the guarors on their jaded horses were trailing along behind, one after another across the steppe, Voila. It is true, really true. Till late at night, I lay in the hollow. Suddenly, what do you think, Azamat? I heard in the darkness a horse trotting along the bank of the hollow, snorting, neighing, and beating the ground with his hoofs. I recognized my Caragios voice. Was he my comrade? Since that time, we have never been parted, and I could hear him patting his galloper's sleek neck with his hand, as he called him various fond names. "'If I had a stud of a thousand mares,' said Azamat, "'I would give it all for your karagyoz.' "'Yuck! I would not take it,' said Kazbich indifferently. "'Listen, Kazbich,' said Azamat, trying to ingratiate himself with him, "'you are a kind-hearted man, you are a brave horseman, but my father is afraid of the Russians, and will not allow me to go on the mountains. Give me your horse, and I will do anything you wish.' I will steal my father's best rifle for you, or his sabre, just as you like. And his sabre is a genuine Gurda. You have only to lay the edge against your hand, and it will cut you. A coat of mail like yours is nothing against it.' Kuzmich remained silent. "'The first time I saw your horse,' continued Azamat, "'when he was wheeling and leaping under you, his nostrils distended, and the flints flying in showers from under his hoofs, something i could not understand took place within my soul and since that time i have been weary of everything i have looked with disdain on my father's best gallopers i have been ashamed to be seen on them and yearning has taken possession of me in my anguish i have spent whole days on the cliffs and every minute my thoughts have kept turning to your black galloper with his graceful gait and his sleek back straight as an arrow "'With his keen, bright eyes he has looked into mine "'as if about to speak. "'I shall die, Kesbich, if you will not sell him to me,' "'said Azamat, with a trembling voice. "'I could hear him burst out weeping, "'and I must tell you that Azamat was a very stubborn lad, "'and that not for anything could tears be wrung from him, "'even when he was a little younger. "'In answer to his tears, I could hear something like a laugh. "'Listen,' said Azamat, in a firm voice, you see, I am making up my mind for anything. If you like, I will steal my sister for you. How she dances, how she sings, and the way she embroiders with gold, marvelous, not even a Turkish padishah has a wife like her. Shall I? Wait for me tomorrow night, yonder in the gorge where the torrent flows. I will go by with her to the neighboring village, and she is yours. Surely Bella is worth your galloper. Kazbich remained silent for a long long time at length instead of answering he struck up with an undertone the ancient song many a beauty among us dwells from whose eyes dark depths the starlight wells. tis an envied lot and sweet to hold their love but brighter is freedom bold Four wives are yours, if you pay the gold, "'but a meddlesome steed is a price untold. "'The whirlwind itself on the steppe is less fleet. "'He knows no treachery, no deceit.'" In vain Azamat entreated him to consent. He wept, coaxed, and swore to him. Finally Kazbich interrupted him impatiently. "'Begone, you crazy brat! How should you think to ride on my horse? In three steps you would be thrown, and your neck broken on the stones.' "'I?' cried Azamat in a fury, and the blade of the child's dagger rang against the coat of mail. A powerful arm thrust him away, and he struck the wattle fence with such violence that it rocked. "'Now we will see some fun,' I thought to myself. I rushed into the stable, bridled our horses and led them out into the back courtyard in a couple of minutes there was a terrible uproar in the hut what had happened was this azamat had rushed in with his tunic torn saying that kazbich was going to murder him all sprang out seized their guns and the fun began noise shouts shouts by the end of this time kazbich was in the saddle and wheeling among the crowd, along the street, defending himself like a madman brandishing his sabre. "'It is a bad thing to interfere in other people's quarrels,' I said to Grigory Alexandrovitch, taking him by the arm. "'Wouldn't it be better for us to clear off without loss of time? Wait, though, and see how it will end. Oh, as to that, it will be sure enough to end badly. It is always so with these Asiatics. Once let them get drunk on up, and there is certain to be bloodshed.' we mounted and galloped home end of book 1 chapter 3 recording by kevin davidson www.blogordie.com